0: Hey, we're on, it's official. We're on record. Um, I'd like to, to start with prayer, and uh, first of all, commend each of you for having the courage to be in this room. We knew this room wasn't going to be packed to standing room only, <clears throat> but it is an it is an issue that is growing, and it's a uh, wider applicability in the churches. Our statistics indicate <clears throat> when we go to church and do a survey that 20 to 25% of the men are, are deeply involved. And as the younger they are, the higher the number gets because of the access to the internet. <clears throat> We've also begun to realize this is not a men's only issue. If a man is married, it's an issue in his marriage. If he's single, wants to get married, if he doesn't get it fixed, it's going to go into the marriage. And we're also seeing it on the women's side as well. We'll talk a little bit about that Uh, a little bit later. That's probably the most underutilized or underserved arena in this whole business of addiction is on the women's side. So let's go ahead and pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we just uh, ask that uh, you just push Cheryl and I aside. And that what's said here is what your spirit wants to be said. And that these uh, people can be encouraged, uh, given hope, and uh, hopefully even some tools to be able to get started, and that we can help them in that endeavor, since that is our goal. Uh, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity. It's in your son's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> um, so I'm passing around a folder to get contact information. I had 20 handouts, but we may exceed that number, which we're thrilled by, but um, if you didn't get a hard copy, uh, we'll go ahead and email that to you, so you can kind of see what we were going to be talking about. <clears throat> so the question is, who are we and why are we here? Um, a, a number of years ago, I came to realize that I had addictive behavior. Looking back on my early life, it, it probably started with alcohol. Um, it transitioned into pornography later. Um, it, it we brought it into the marriage. Um, my fault I accept that responsibility but then uh, became disciples and for about 10 years we we thought I thought we really had this licked and as I changed into a different career um, I traveled a lot a lot of pressure high profile stuff and I began to realize that I was using that pornography the adult channel in the hotel room quite frankly was what it was as a as an escape mechanism And then I began to be successful, and I used it as a reward system. At that point, I realized that I was was completely out of control and I needed to get some help. I kept that from my wife. She has opinions on that that she'll share. Um, But I think a lot of the question is, how do I get started? So what we did a long time ago, it'll be 12 years ago, is we... We kind of modeled ourselves after the AA program um, but the AA program has no spiritual context in it whatsoever which is a real downside but we found Dave Widner's material out of the Chicago Church of Christ and that gave us some spiritual context a- and we began to work on it. it took us ten years i've been uh, I've been uh, successful for about six now it's Seven. I lose track. Um, but, you know, to start, there's not a requirement that you be successful. If that's the case, we would never have a group. Nobody would ever get started because you've got to figure this out in order to be successful. I'd like my wife to share just a couple thoughts on how we got started and, and our development.
1: Hi. Um. As Mule said, he didn't tell me what he was doing. I thought he was going to the group because he had struggled with it earlier and he was helping others. When it finally came out that he was um, helping himself and that he needed it, he had already repented for over a year. So it, um, I still got upset because we are supposed to have this open commitment, you know, conversation in our marriage and we didn't. Um, I struggle with carbs. I struggle with, with food addiction. So I, uh, I didn't hold that sin against him. Some women are just totally, um, hurt by this and crushed. I wasn't crushed by it. I understood the struggle in a way, but I was very hurt by the fact that he didn't communicate with me and that we did not have an ability to, um, to talk about this.
0: And we learned a lot in uh, the last couple of years on, on that dynamic. In fact, we <coughs> try to have a quarterly couples get-together where the, the guys in the group who are married, Cheryl has a wives' group that she works, she'll talk about that in a minute, uh, but we get together as couples <coughs> so that that wife sees other couples and knows that she's not alone in this struggle. So I think that's one of the real fallacies that everybody thinks is I'm the only one with this problem and and uh, you know I'm helpless. In some sense you are helpless but you're not alone. Um, A couple things I want to talk about this uh, this afternoon is what are the small group goals? I think that's that's very important to understand that up front. In fact your top priority is not recovery because if that's your your priority, you're going to fail. I'm just being honest with you, with the experience. The real goal is to restore discipleship and your relationship with God. Because God is supposed to be that emotional resource, and we turned all these other things instead of to God. So we we get it all screwed up, and we can't figure out how to get out of that. So that's the number one goal. Number two is to establish emotional control and self-discipline. The mere fact that you get to the meeting is a decision in self-discipline. Um, you know, the, these are all scripturally, and there's a ton of scriptures here. One of the things that I want to make sure everybody understands is that this has to be spiritually based. It's not Neil and Cheryl's grander plan for your self-improvement. That's just not going to get anybody anything. But this restored discipleship and restore relationship with God In in Malachi 3.7, God says, return to me, and I will return to you. That's what we're after, the relationship with God. Emotional self-control and self-discipline. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. But quite frankly, an addict is subject to the controls of his emotions. That's what causes the addiction. They're, they're, you're looking for a solution, you're looking for an escape, you're looking for an, a reward, you're looking for something emotionally, and you substitute these other things for your, for your relationship with God. God is intended to be the emotional resource. Return to me and I'll return to you. And I think lastly, uh, they replace the selfish nature of an addict with an other's focus. And that comes from James 5.16. Confess to each other and pray for one another that you might be healed. The selfishness of an addict's emotions makes every decision about him or her and what they want. And in a group dynamic, you begin to see the guys kind of begin to focus on each other. And they realize that they're not alone in this struggle. And getting them to focus on somebody else other than themselves really helps them Learn how to see the need in someone else and begin to work on that, and I'll I'll show you how that works in the in the in the meeting. And I think there's there's three things I want to emphasize. I'm trying to leave some time for Q and A because because I know that's that's got to be there. So we're trying to rush through this a bit. We kind of sat down and said, well, what what is the the facilitator, the leader, the mentor? What is that person? need to possess in order to hang in there, quite frankly. Because this is not a subject that everybody rushes to. Um, Obviously. Obviously. This is not a subject where success is automatic. This is not an area where, yep, you just show up in the group and you're fixed. Takes a lot of hard work, determination, lots of other things. So the facilitator has to understand that going in. And I think there's three things that i focus focused on that are really necessary. The first of those is a passion. You have got to want to do this or you won't last. You can't because it is so emotionally demanding. Because you're trying to help everybody else who is struggling to be successful. So it, it it's automatically becomes a negative environment if you let it be that way. So this passion, you know, I kind of compare that to Jesus in the temple. In Matthew 21, 13, he's very upset over the way the temple's being utilized. He goes in there and he starts turning over tables and, you know, wrecking havoc. But at the same time, he's quoting Isaiah and Jeremiah in that quotation, where he says, My house is intended to be a house of prayer and you have made it a den of robbers. First of that comes from Isaiah, the second half comes from Jeremiah. So he combines two scriptures, two different prophets. Puts them together in the midst of his anger, and that's what he lays on the people. So the ability to stay spiritually focused and have a passion for this is really, really important. Compassion, we see that second nature in Jesus. And everybody in the group is going to be hurting. And if you don't have a compassion to recognize and help with that, you're not going to survive. And so you need help with that. We, none of us are born naturally with all three of these character traits in our, as primary in, in our beings. We need to work on them. But in Matthew 14:14, 14, 14, he had just heard of John the Baptist's death, and he's actually trying to get off in, to a quiet place, and the, crew, the crowds the people heard, and the crowds show up, and here he is trying to console or deal with the emotion of losing John the Baptist, and he's surrounded by all these people with all these problems. But the Bible says that he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He turned to the needs of the people rather than his own. And I think that's a key item. You're going to, be, you're going to have to be focused on those people in this group in order to help them. And you've got to be careful not to get too self-focused. And this hurts. This is painful. This is awful. This is, <clears throat> And it's one of the things that we have had to try to deal with as we teach this is, this is not a positive subject. It's hard to make it a positive subject. So where does the positivity come from? You've got to be careful that you don't fall into that negativity. And in Luke 7, 11 through 15, he, he was traveling. He sees this funeral. He sees his mom and, and her only son has passed away. And, and his, it's, the Bible says his heart went out to her. And he was able to stop what he was doing and help her with her emotional needs. And we've got to kind of keep that in mind. I think so you've got got passion, you've got compassion, and the last is patience. Because the reason we need recovery group is people don't recover on their own, generally. And recovery is hard. And recovery often entails failures, often entails repeated failures. Because you're learning to reprogram your whole mind, body, and soul in many respects. That's not easy. So, I think patience is a really key element that we've got to look at here, and we see it with John in uh, in John chapter 21 when Jesus is it has his final interaction with Peter, and there are the three feed my sheep's right, but. And Peter gets indignant. He gets upset. He gets emotional. Imagine that Peter getting emotional uh, over this interaction with Jesus, but Jesus just kind of stays focused on him and doesn't let Peter squirm out. He keeps him kind of right there under his thumb and says, "Peter, I'm talking to you. You listen to me. You you got to change. You got to deal with this. You got to take this on." And what does Peter do? What about that guy? And, And and Jesus says, what's it to you if I want him to live till I come back? And, and you see this ability of Jesus to, to deflect all the distractions and stay focused on the issue. And you'll see this in addictive personalities. They are by nature selfish, and they are by nature untruthful. Partial truth, a little bit of truth, no truth flat out lies, that's their nature that they've developed to hide the addiction, okay? That's not an easy scenario to work with. So you see the need to really be patient because you're gonna be faced with a lot of failure, um, a lot of discussion. Okay, um, a couple of the benefits of the small group that we want to talk about, uh, I think the first benefit that you want to see is accountability and spiritual relationships and and the guys come in they're totally selfish and and you want to begin to change that mold and we'll talk about the meeting process which kinda helps deal with that discipline begins when the guy decides to go to the meeting or or the gal depending on what the, the scenario is that's the beginning of the discipline required to make changes the practice of being open, and we'll talk about the meeting dynamic and, and how that helps practice that. And you learn to recognize emotions. And i got to tell you, this is a mystery for men. <clears throat> we have what, I didn't bring it, it's called the Wheel of Feel. And basically it's, it's, a, it's emotions on this wheel. And we'll have a ten-guy meeting. <clears throat> well, ask the first guy what his major emotion for the week was. And he gets his, we do the same thing every week. And he gets this kind of shocked look on his face and go, emotion? Oh, goodness. <laughs> and and, and if, it, if he can't figure it out, you give him the wheel. Pick one. You know, just what's, what do you recognize? The other thing that happens is you get to guy number 10, he has the same reaction. And he's had 10 minutes to think about it. It's like, emotion? What What's that? And so it, there's this training of having to recognize and deal with emotions because guys have been taught Culturally, family-wise, everything else, to just, you know, you're the stoic. You're the big, tough, strong guy. And you don't deal with emotions. And by nature, by doing that, we we don't even recognize them. And since we can't deal with them, we go to other forms of escapism or, or, or processing to deal with that emotion. So that's I that guess pretty wild sometimes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'll talk a minute about the meeting format, because I think that's... How do I do this, is is often the question. Our meeting goes for about an hour and 15 minutes or so. We always open with prayer. Remember, we're supposed to be spiritually focused here. Um, We have a a 10-minute check-in time frame. And there's eight questions that we kind of ask or or go over during the check-in. And that is, how many quiet times have you had? So you had seven days since the last meeting. How many quiet times have you had? Uh, that's not an easy question sometimes you got to get him to fess up to a number if it's two it's two if it's seven it's seven Okay, just get through it How many check-ins have you done now a check-in is <clears throat> when you have felt tempted and You called somebody and said oh man, I'm really wrestling with this. I need some help. What do I do? Like leave your computer put your phone down, you know, whatever those things are um, and then there's recovery work. How much recovery work have you done? Now, the, I, did, I look at recovery work as being outside of your quiet times. So you're reading a book. You're doing something beyond um, your quiet time. Because your quiet time is supposed to be focused on God. Recovery work is supposed to be focused on changing you. And, and if you're always focused on you changing you, you don't help your relationship with God at all. And a, a lot of this goes back to the, the willingness to work hard. There's no recovery work. I go, hmm, you really want to recover. Um, And then we have, how many? did you cross any boundaries? Now, boundary is developed. I think a great book for that is um, uh, Every Man's Battle. There's a couple chapters in there to talk about dealing with with boundaries. But if you're uh, after 10 o'clock computer sensitive, you know, the boundary needs to be, I'm not on my computer all alone after 10 o'clock. Pretty simple, right? You need to figure out what the temptation brings and then create a boundary. If you cross that boundary, that's a danger zone. You're probably going to end up in sin. So there's got to be this ability to create and structure some boundaries for your life. Then we ask the emotion question. We already talked about that. The next one we ask is, what's the source of temptation? Where is it coming from? Because if you can't figure that out, how are you ever going to eliminate it? Because you're not—you've proven you aren't strong enough to deal with it. You've got to eliminate it. If it's a computer, you know we have guys that leave their phone in the glove compartment of their car and hope the car doesn't get broken into. Um, but it's dealing with that temptation. I don't have my computer in my room. I have it out in the open space. Um, I don't—I'm not on the computer uh, after my wife goes to bed. You know, whatever it is but there's got to be some methodology there dealing with this. And then, this is where, this is something I've added that didn't come from anybody else, but I felt this negativity in this effort. I'm going, man, this is just, I can't can't deal with this. So I said, everybody's got to have a victory. And, And that really is an encouraging note because guys begin to understand they still have value even though they're struggling with this problem. And then, whatever their last date is where they self-indulge. And I I guess by text it would be, what's your purity date? But we have a gamer in our group, so what's his last game day, that he basically got on the internet or his his game system and he completely lost track of time. He he was gone. We have a guy that that actually lost a job, He, he was just so into this gaming stuff that he couldn't live a normal life. Now he's doing great. He's got a wife, got a couple kids, got a great job. Uh, he's doing great. But as a gamer, he was a total loser. Did I dare I say that? Um, so we take a different look at a different view of addiction. This started as a purity effort. But we've come to realize that <coughs> the, the guy that has 12 beers in order to go to sleep at night has the same problem. The guy that uses oxycotton or whatever that uh, yeah. opioid is, he's got the same problem as the guy that does the pornography. He just used a different medium. So and if you look at our churches, we don't have the resources. So we got a purity recovery group here. We've got an uh, alcoholic recovery group here. we got a chemical recovery group here. we got a, a Twinkies recovery group over here. I, I say that in deference to my lovely bride. but. Um, Thanks. W- We've got to figure out how to deal with this on a similar plane. As the, the, real, the addiction is absolutely similar across the board. you just chosen a different medium from somebody else. <clears throat> then we, we do something else different in the meeting after the check-ins. We do a cross-talk. Now, some groups will say, hey, you can't talk to each other. But then, how do you develop this idea to be focused on each other, and be able to help somebody else if it's all about just your problem? So we've we've explored this. We we think it's very valuable. So after the check-in, we've kind of throw the throw the floor open, but the guys have to be very careful about their questions. If you if you went on the computer at at 11:30 and your wife went to bed at 10, what did you do between 10 and 11:30? You know, just ask. Practical questions to help him see how he walked down that road to disaster. And they they, got to practice that. And and if you don't let them practice that, they're never going to figure out how to do that. Um, And then we have a lesson. Every purity group has a lesson. There's some great tools out there for this right now. Um, There's a guy that's redone the AA 12 steps put all the spiritual context back into it so you can go through the 12 steps with each step having six or seven really applicable scriptures in it. You spend a whole year on that alone. And you don't have to, you know, because sometimes I think it's difficult to do all this stuff and come up with a lesson. And these are tailor-made. So we've got the tools to be able to help you with that. And then we close with a sharing, a prayer. And then we, we break up into one-on-ones. So we, the, these two guys are over here, and they'll just talk to each other for at least 10 minutes. <clears throat> but they have to divide the time, five minutes of talking, five minutes of listening. Because if you don't, the talker talks and the listener listens, and there, there's, there's not really an exchange of information and idea there. So you've got to kind of know the people in the group and <clears throat> which one's not to put together, because one will just listen and the other will just talk. So there's a bit of dynamic that you've got to learn as you move through there.
1: The women do a different, um, a little bit different. We've only been, the women's purity group has only been meeting for um, less than a year. Um, we decided to work on a book, Addiction and Grace, and we, um, it has questions at the end of each chapter. So we got together and we discussed the um, questions. We also are working on, we had not set up having a purity date put down there in effect, but um, the last day you acted out. We're starting a new book, and we will be implementing these um, procedures. Um, number of quiet times, what was your main emotion, and then having confession and openness time. We also um, encourage a level of commitment, as Mule was saying, that to show up requires discipline, and we're still working on that with some of our young women who are um, not not there regularly. And we're tightening up now. We're you know there's there's another uh, woman and I that are doing this, and we're we're getting more s- strict. And more focused ourselves because we see we're not helping anybody by not asking for accountability. um,
0: I think um, you know the, as Cheryl said, on the women's side, we've had a wives' support group for. Hmm. Uh, quite a bit longer, for a couple of years. So we got a lot more experience there. We realized when we actually taught in Pittsburgh that there is a need on the women's side that we just didn't have any resources for. We we didn't know what to do. So another gal and Cheryl got together and said, well, we're just going to start this and you know kind of see where it takes us. So limited experience there but enough to help get somebody started. And I think on the wives' support group, do you want to talk about that a little bit just from the standpoint of kind of the difference there? We,
1: we started, um, women are hurting whose spouses have, and, and it works the other way too, but it so happens that it's men who have acted out and women who are left with what's going on and why me and what did I do wrong and those kinds of things. And they feel a great sense of loss a lack of trust, all of these things. And when we get together in our support group, we do not focus on the other person. We focus on ourselves and what our relationship with God is and how we can um, and improve that. We have um, a handout that um, those of you who came in later, we, you sign up and we'll send you an uh, email with the um, the handout in it, but in recalling the last month, including today, help us understand how you've been feeling by rating how you're doing in the following areas of life: individually, interpersonally, marriage, and spiritually. And then, how am I feeling? And what do you want to share about today?
0: Do they get a list of emotions to choose from? We make the guys go, you know, just no experience.
1: We yeah, we we kind of do that, but <laughs> it it's then. Um, Nobody has to come out and say what is going on, but usually a wife will will share some things or has shared personally with another wife, and you get a general idea of, of what has happened in their life, especially when they're explaining their numbers negative five to positive five. You understand when somebody says it's a negative five in your marriage that that's worse ever and you're really dealing with a, a very, very difficult situation. So, um, in I, the women's purity group...
0: I think one of the things uh, that we also do is we try to have a, a couples meeting uh, a couple times a year and that really allows, and we do when we do that um, we usually have one of the couples share their story And it's amazing to look at at the group when that happens because you see all this connectivity taking place. You know, people are crying and, you know, it just Mm -hmm. it just gets wild in some respects. But it's so powerful. And out of that, we've had some confessions that are just that would blow your ears back. But it has saved marriages. It has rebuilt marriages because these are things that people have held in for years and they're hiding, and they don't know what to do, they're afraid. But yet when they see this happen right in front of them, they go, well, if they can do it, we can do it too. and it just changes the dynamic so much.
1: Okay. Um, as far as the women's purity group, and Neil does this somewhat also, is you pre-screen people, because not everybody has a true addiction. Some of it is... Um, a lack of discipline. Some of it is is just um, curiosity but um, we have other women who are habitually self-gratification and need a group to help break out of the sinful cycle. Some of the questions we ask, were you abused as a child? Are you in an abusive relationship? Have you seen a therapist? Have you tried a recovery group of any kind? Do you have trouble with drugs or alcohol? If so, how frequently? How regularly do you have your quiet time? And that's a big one. How regularly do you have that quiet time? How regularly are you meeting with God? And when you have purity lapses, can you find a single thread or a pattern? Can you identify the emotion? Was it anger? Was it loneliness? And the emotion is the symptom, and then you have to find the cause of it and you look at the circumstances surrounding the event. So women, um, and of course, we have a much smaller number than Neil deals with, and he seems to get down in an hour and 15 minutes, and we, we can go an hour and a half and, and still be going, I have to say, let's wrap it up. We got things we have to do how, but um, we also treat um, this very confidentially Um, we have in our, um, in our wife support group, we have a Partners in Purity, a pledge. And if anybody's interested in that, we have a copy of that. But we, we pledge to help each other, but we also pledge not to go and talk about it to other people, not to mention names, not to, um, make it others' focus. It's, it's about ourselves. Um, we, we tell people that we have this group, but we don't go and advertise it. We um, tell the Bible Talk leaders to have people come and talk to us, again, so we can pre-screen, so you don't have somebody just showing up and um, kind of doing their own thing. We kind of introduce them into the group before, beforehand.
0: You know, I think I, I want to go back on this secrecy versus confidentiality. In our teachings around the ACR, we've come across several instances where um, secrecy has become the the the, uh, the, the, the paramount issue, um, to the point where in one church, I'd asked a deacon about his purity group, which I knew existed, and he said, you know, what? I don't know if they're still functioning or not. And I thought, wait a minute. You know, you're supposed to be shepherding the flock here a little bit, and you don't even know whether or not they exist. Had another group where, a fairly large church, but they had two groups, and they were so secretive, they didn't know each other existed. Mm-hmm. How, how's that helping the people in the church if nobody knows the group exists? That doesn't make any sense. So we've got to find the balance here, and kind of where the, what the, the balance we've struck is that you can't use anybody's name. Now, if, if I want to say I was at the group this morning and this is what we talked about, that's great. But I can't say, yeah, but Joe said this is what happened in his marriage. That's a violation of the confidentiality. So you've got to find a, a happy a compromise there because people have to know that this exists for it to be helpful. If, it doesn't, if they don't know it exists, how, do you, how does anybody get in the group? To the point where we have had staff members, I've invited them to, and, and they've come and they've sat in the group and they "I said, we just want to know what goes on here. How does this work? We, we are responsible for everybody's spiritual well-being, but we don't have a clue what you're doing. That's not healthy, really. And the other side of that is that, quite frankly, I don't want to be the sole arbitrator of righteousness, righteousness and justice uh, in our church. You know, I want the elders to know what's going on. I want the deacons to know what's going on. I want the staff to know what's going on because I need help. I need backup. I, I need advice, you know? And, and I, all the guys understand that and they, and they don't have a problem with that. Um, I, wanna, I wanna leave at least 10 minutes for questions and answers. But I, I think one of the, the key questions that you have is how do I start? The way we started 12 years ago or whatever it was, Friend of mine and I agreed that we had this problem and we had to figure out how to fix it. He had some AA background. We went on the internet, we found, and our group started with two people. That was it. And we met together and we talked with each other and we made a, and we experimented with times. That's another thing that was interesting. Um, We did Tuesday nights, we did Thursday nights, we did, you know, and, and finally we said, wait a minute, we're never gonna find a time that's convenient for everybody. And quite frankly, I'm the one that does most of the work. So I'm gonna decide when it's gonna be, and it's gonna be at my convenience. So we have it at 7.30 on Saturday morning, because I traveled a lot in the last 10 years when I worked. And you know I'm sorry if you can't watch cartoons on Saturday morning. I'm sorry if you can't sleep in. You've got to decide that you want to recover. Making it easy for you and convenient is not helpful. Because you've got some discipline problems you've got to overcome. You can't overcome discipline problems by taking the easy route. It just isn't happening. Um, I think we, we'll go ahead. We've got some other things to talk about if we run out of, find some dead time. But I want to go ahead and, and throw it open for some Q&A that will uh, hopefully stimulate some conversation here. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I'm a husband. Some, someone that's married to understand when you go to the group, you're not going to to please your wife or to, to save your marriage, you're going with you really have mm-hmm. I find myself doing that at the beginning and I, I had to get a I had to check myself and realize this is not for my marriage, this is for me. So how do you let somebody to get here?
0: And and I think you know um there has to be we, we use an accountability partner Um, we're not really that good at that part but one of the things we try to avoid is that the accountability partner gets half the story and the discipleship partner gets the other half the story neither of them look very bad but you put the whole story together and go you're you're a train wreck man and so you got to guard against that idea of of spreading the bad news around to the point where it doesn't look so bad and I think the, the, <clears throat> the couples group is a really good idea to help with that. I'm, I'm here to help me, not to help my marriage. But guess what? If you become a better disciple, you become more committed to God. What happens in the marriage? There's just naturally benefits there. You know, and I found out in our relationship that I wasn't very open with my wife. And we had to get that fixed. And, it, it, you know, we had to really deal with that. But that requires some, some, some hard conversation. And I think a lot of that goes back to the discipling couple. Are we getting the kind of discipling that we need, or is this subject kind of off the table? And one of the things that we deal with, statistically, if you're 20, 25% of the male population in the church involved in pornography, there's at least one guy in every Bible talk. But if you never talk about it, you're hiding the problem. And I think taking that issue of, I struggle with this, I know it's in my marriage, but I can't do it for my marriage, I've got to do it for me, that's got to be a discussion with the discipling couple. How are we going to get through this? We've got to get it fixed, I've got to do this for me, but you get benefit from it down the road. Okay.
2: Is Go it ahead. okay to like maybe ask, like what. Issue he might have, and then I can share my issue and as to my response to his question. <laughs> <laughs> not,
0: right not right now. I don't That's think that. we're going to go that far. Right. Um, but well, you know, well, I, I think. I'll just I, share something. Go ahead.
2: Um, so my my I started going to a purity group because I hit rock bottom. Mm. So when you hit rock bottom, and then you you face a different type of all types of death, which could be um, humiliation in your marriage humiliation at your job yep. humiliation somewhere then that is a type of that's a rock bottom that sure you're and that will make you decide to take to do something because you can't do anything on your own so you're seeking help so i sought help yep. and i found help um and the guys that i found help they steered me to god one i got, had, had better bible study and they gave me scripture they sat down with me and then they also talked to me about the issue I was having at hand yep. and, and then sent me that direction. But I found a book that would help.
0: There, and go ahead. What's the, what's the name of the book?
2: The book is titled uh, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Addiction by okay. Dr. Mark Laser.
0: Yep. That's a great one. Um, I think that uh, two things come to mind there is that you, you've got to ask yourself the question, am I willing to do whatever it takes? And if you're not, you don't really want to recover. You really don't. You may sound like it. You may look like it. But you really don't. So that idea of making, doing whatever it takes, really helps. Go ahead. Um,
2: so there's a purity class um, that's more geared the older men in Hampton Chapel Church every Saturday morning, uh, which I can't attend no more. But uh, I got to. Uh, Advice, well, not advice, but somebody suggested that I could uh, see so they could start a group that could be more beneficial for me and others That to do it before midweek on Tuesday. We could get up like an hour and 15, a few minutes beforehand. How do I go about that to see if uh, possibly that group could start?
0: Well, I I think maybe you and I should have a, a chat on that, but I think you've got to, <clears throat> these group dynamics, in my opinion, have to come under. Under the auspices of the church leadership, because you you don't want to be out on your own, kind of, winging this. Um, we have two guys who've been in jail over subjects related to this. Okay, one guy's now out, doing fine. Another guy's in, not doing so well. Um, and and you don't want to be the one to say, yeah, I knew all about this, and uh, you know he ended up in jail. And who else? Who else was involved? Well, nobody. It was just me. <laughs> that, that's not a good situation to be in. I think for alternatives, we have to be careful that, uh, again, we're not trying to find the easy solution. Job schedules and all that stuff, I, I recognize that that's something that we got to overcome. Resources of, of uh, you know how many groups we're going to have and when they're going to be and when they're going to meet, that, that's something we've got to be, be careful of so that the group... Has the right qualities to really help with recovery. I mean, two guys meeting over there—they tried that for 10 years and didn't work. What what's going to change? So something's got to change there, and we got to figure that out. Lady. Uh, the lady, yes.
1: Purity. I have not experienced the same persecution as I love, like, you know, from other women. However, it seems like it can be uh, not saying like, I'm 100% perfect, but when I do, like, really fight for my purity, it can be a very powerful witness to other um, disciples, other people. And I was wondering uh, why that is. I guess that's a really, like, broad question. Like, what, like, sisters, what women can do to help our brothers who are really trying to take a stand for their purity,
0: but are experiencing much more intense persecution than a woman versus security? I would say there's a huge cultural influence there. Uh, I think we're seeing a bit of a shift right now with the, in the last year of, of, of women going back and saying, yeah, well, this happened at this point in time, and I didn't say anything because, you know, th- nothing would happen. <coughs> and I think culturally... Men are taught, well, you need to be a conqueror. You know, you need, to, you need to, you know, you need to, to win the woman, no matter what it takes. And that's wrong. Uh, but what we're just now realizing is some of the consequences of that. Okay, um, you know, uh, if you look at, at President Kennedy, and you look at President Trump, they did the same things. But the entire Secret Service. Was trying to make sure that Marilyn Monroe got together with President Kennedy and nobody knew about it. Why? What's the difference between that and, and Trump's liaison with a with a, a porn star? Nothing. Okay? But that's how much time has changed our cultural perspective in the last twenty years. So now it's it's not as acceptable as it was. And I think we're just now Starting to discover what the truth is uh, in reality on the women's side. So, there's a lot of this is culturally driven, and and we're just now beginning to explore a lot of that. Do you have
1: a? I I was just thinking that as a woman disciple um, with the brothers expressing gratefulness for them being too willing to explore purity, willing to, to do whatever it takes. Um, encouraging your, t- your church to talk about it um, the women being modest so they're not um, enticing their brothers in many ways they don't even understand sometimes and the men being willing to say I struggle with certain things and let women know or let the women leaders know. And you know, if they see a, a culture in the church of women that are, are not um, striving for purity themselves, that does make it a lot harder. So yeah. I think encouraging somebody by striving for that purity yourself and commending them for doing the same can go a long way. You know, every
0: one of these battles has to start somewhere. And maybe that's you. I remember one of the most interesting comments that we got back when we first started this. We went to Richmond. It's only an hour and a half away. So, you know, if we had to escape, we could. We could come home and hide. Um, It's different when you go to Akron, which is 10 hours away. You know, you, you can't escape. But the most amazing response was from the women. And the women would come up and say, good, now we can talk about this. As if somehow previously there had been this... Uh, prohibition on having this discussion on purity. And it was just amazing to me, but it was actually—that was the truth.
1: Okay. More questions.
0: More questions. Whoa, the gentleman in the red sweatshirt.
2: Um, so I've been involved in probably three purity groups. Like oh, where are you from? Montgomery
0: County. Okay. Thought you looked familiar. <laughs> um, probably three purity groups that have
2: started. Lasted for a little while, flamed um, out. I was there due to my own sin and, and trying to overcome my own purity issues. Um, my question, though, has, is related to the fact that they were all men. It was completely uh, devoid of any influence from our lives. And in fact, mm. the very that I confessed to, who would <coughs> have said, Oh, yeah, me too, um, you couldn't even get them to come. Right. 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 So, um, and I worry about, the di- what's the dynamic of, okay, now, if I start, because I'm thinking I'm having kind a class of too, um, if I start this, what's the dynamic of kind of dragging my wife into this whole situation uh, where she, this, this is not really her particular situation?
0: But it is. And I think that's one of the fallacies that we believe is that th- this is just a guy problem in a marriage. It's not. Because it, 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 if this is the struggle, it, it distracts you emotionally. It distracts you spiritually. I mean, there is so much going on there that we don't understand. Quite frankly, we, you know, we're still exploring all this. But having that couples meeting really helped uh, the couples begin to heal and to talk and to encourage. And the wife says, you're going Saturday morning. I don't care what. That's Okay. They're they're married. They have to make that decision together. Yes, sir.
2: There's no problem. a difference between the wife support group and wives, cats, sisters who might be struggling with their own community Yes.
0: Yes. They're, they're, they're separate. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. So how is recovery work structured, defined, evaluated? That's kind of self-defined. Some guys have found that journaling really helps. Um, it can be reading a, a book. Some kind of effort outside of your quiet time where you're working on your character, your personality, your your uh, ability to recognize and deal with emotion. It perhaps involve writing a personal history. Absolutely. That would be that would be a um oh, I forget the term we use for that. Uh, but there, there there's yeah, you know, here's my my journal and here's my uh, Daily Diary. So those are two kind of separate items. One more question. I, I know you've been asked, you've been just dying to ask a question all day. Um,
2: I know that um, like, uh, I've been in a lot of men's purity groups. I'm in Montgomery County. And the groups, um, there's a lot of times, I think the first time, you know, it started as an emotional response to like the riders coming in. And, you know, everybody got all worked up, but not a lot of people fall. Um, you know, the second and the third time, I think we got a little bit too legalistic. There's some anonymity issues that got rose up. And knowing that, you know, it is very small, we tried to get it out, but there was a level of
0: reluctance caused. We're, you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, gonna, to I mean just, that's a second Montgomery County item in that multiple small groups. I, I think you guys need to get together with Phil Booker and the rest of the staff and say, okay, we need to do this. What do we do? Do we, Do we have your support, you know, and it's got to be a wider application. So I think Montgomery County struggles with that consistency issue. We've got to figure that one out. I know you've been, we're violating our time theory, but go ahead, quick.
1: Um, You were talking a lot about your focus
2: is on the emotional impact and the spiritual impact. Uh, What are your opinions or your philosophies on the, the physical effects of addiction on the person? and like the
0: habitual effects of breaking like habits. Okay, I think <clears throat> this whole spe- this whole thing is a spectrum. Sh- you know, Cheryl mentioned lack of discipline, lack of discipline can lead to bad habits. Bad habits can lead to to uh, habitual behavior, uh, addictive behavior. Mm-hmm. But I think the the difference is is that becoming more important to you than your relationship with God. If it is, that's addictive and that's an idolatry. Yes, ma'am. Quick. We're going they're going to throw us out of here. No, we keep the teens separate from the, the adults, and the teen leadership helps deal with the teens. We've had a couple of, of classes or, or groups to help them with that dynamic, but that we, we try to keep those separate for obviously. And, obvious and
1: also, do you need two groups like the wives? I do. Yep. It's a wives' purity group and a wives' support group. All right, let's end in prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Lord, there is so much to talk about. There is so much at stake. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Please give us the strength and the discipline to follow through. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. It, there's a black folder floating around out there that I asked uh, everybody to put their phone numbers and emails. in Has anybody got that?
1: Uh, so, uh, yes. Yeah.